Hi everyone, uh, good to be doing this again. I've actually just been down to the church building and tried to record it outside, which is hopefully why you've got that front bit on, um, but that didn't work, it was too windy, so all you could hear was So I've had to come back and, uh, and do the, the intro properly. But I hope you're all doing well. Um, as you know, we were trying to be in the building today, we was hoping we would be, but that's not happened. Um, we've still got some things to think through. Uh, and one of the ways forward with that is Tuesday evening, we've got a, a meeting together, so please do come to that on Zoom on Tuesday night. Um, there'll be a question and answer session and we'll be talking about certain things. It's not just a members meeting, it's a church meeting for anybody, so please do um, join us for that if you're a regular attender at the church. Uh, it'd be great to see you, so please do come along and we can think about maybe how we can get back in the building at least for certain things and whether we can do that. Um, so yeah, that's good. Um, I, uh, look forward to that time particularly together and look forward to what's happening. We're also going to lay out some plans for the things that are happening over the next couple of months. So please do think and be praying about that as well. Um, this morning we've got the normal stuff. We're going to be singing. We're going to be praising God together. What a great thing it is to be able to do that, isn't it? We're going to be listening to God's word together. Uh, we're going to have a talk for the children and we're going to uh, have a sermon. So let's, uh, let's pray as we head into this time of worship and praise together. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you that we can praise you, that we want to praise you from the bottom of our hearts. You're a good God and we love you. You're a God who reveals himself as love. And we pray this morning, as we think on that particular theme, that you would help us, that you would be with us, that you would deepen our love for you and our love for others. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. This morning's reading is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonour others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But when there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three things remain, faith, hope and love. But the greatest of these is love. 
Okay, so I thought it would be good to look at the fruit of the spirit over these next couple of months, July and August. So we're going to try and get back into some sort of routine. Uh, we've had sort of one-offs that have been going on uh, since lockdown began, really, uh, three months ago. But we thought it would be good to, to just have a little bit more of a series again that we're used to when we're in the building. Um, and so that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be thinking about the fruit of the spirit, um, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, etc. As we go through this next couple of months over this... Well, I guess you could say summer break. Hopefully, <laughs> at some point it will be a break, but at the minute it just feels like uh, everything's continuing, doesn't it? Um, I mean, uh, yeah. do we still call it lockdown? I don't know. Things changed yesterday. Uh, people are allowed in a lot more places. We were hoping to have been in the building today, as I said, but uh, that's not happening yet. Hopefully, at some point, we'll be able to, at least in some uh, in some way, shape or form. And I was trying to think of an alternative, but I couldn't think of one. So I guess even though it's not a strict lockdown, I'll say that we're still in the lockdown. Uh, and it's still, because of these strange times, it's important, isn't it, to be thinking about what it is that, that God wants to do within us. What it is that um, we should be working on, if you like, in our own Christian lives. What God wants to do in us for his purposes and for his glory. I was thinking we, we live in these strange times and there are pros and cons, there are some good things and, and there are some bad things and some uh, things that, that hold us back, but we're still Christians. I mean, that doesn't change, does it? If you are a Christian, if you're somebody who, who is trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, in his death upon that cross for you, for you to be able to get into the presence of the Father, the presence of God. If you're a Christian, you're still a Christian just because we're in lockdown, just because of all these things that have been going on. And we need to be figuring out how we act as God's people in this situation. It makes a difference, I think, in at least two ways. The first one is, is how we act, in, in, as I said, how we live, uh, the things that we do. Um, how do we seek to honour God still in this situation? It's different to what we've been used to. How do we keep doing it now that it feels like it's going on longer? Um, it still would be a, a huge part of, uh, of our um, motivation, really, in, in how that we live our lives, in, in wanting to please God. But the second one is that what I was talking about, that what, what God does in us, what he wants to do in us by his spirit. And, you know, that one doesn't change. That's still the same whether in lockdown or whether we're out of lockdown. Why? Well, for this reason. What he wants to do in us is always achieved through the circumstances in our life. What God wants to do in us is always achieved through the circumstances in our life. Whatever our situation, it's character that he wants us to show. He wants to build within us to respond in the right way. He wants us to be people who grow into being more like Jesus. So we all face different situations, even in these times. It's different for all of us. You know, even in lockdown, life's still different, isn't it? I live in a house with five people. I'm one of them, five altogether. Loneliness is not a problem for me. You can imagine. Actually, the problem sometimes is trying to find somewhere to have a bit of privacy. Sometimes you need to feel like we want to get away from it, working from home as well and lots of people around most of the time. Sometimes you feel like you just want to get out somewhere and get a bit of space. Now, if you're living on your own, 
that's not going to be your problem, is it? It's going to be the complete opposite of that. So even, even though we're going through this, this similar thing together, we're not all going through it in the same way. We're going through it in different ways. And that's just life, isn't it? That's, that's like life. Whatever we go through, we, you know, we have this privilege of living at the beginning of the 21st century. God-given privilege. God gives life. He's given me life. He's given you life. He's given it to us. And we can make the most of it. And if we come to know him, then we will make the most of it. But it will be different for different people in different circumstances. And those things change during lockdown, but it's the same outside of lockdown as well. And it's through these circumstances that God wants to transform us. So I thought it'd be good to have a look at this, uh, uh, this idea of the fruit of the Spirit, which comes up in Galatians 5, 22, 23, where Paul talks about it, when he's helping the Galatians to understand what the Holy Spirit is wanting to do in, in their lives to help them to, to grow, to be more like Jesus. I thought it'd be good for us to have a series on that when we just think about it, because how we act in the situation, as I said, is incredibly important. And knowing that bigger picture as well, knowing that, that God is, you know, he's not, put it, he's not put our Christian lives on hold and said, you know, wait till we get back to normal, then we'll pick it up again. No way. That's not what he does. He works through those circumstances of our lives and he wants to use this to uh, enable us to come closer to him, to know him more, to love him more and, and to reach out more. And we need to realise that as well. And, you know, if you feel that you're in a situation where you can't do any of that, you know, there's something you can do. There is. It's certainly able to pray. Um, hopefully you're able to get on Zoom and meet with us in those different times of the week when we do that. We're having this uh, meeting on Tuesday. Please do join us for that. Uh, it's just opportunities to be able to, to meet together. So we've got three points this morning, which I'm sure uh, will absolutely astound you. But anyway, uh, we're gonna go, we've got three points. They don't all begin with the same letter. Uh, the first one's completely different to the next two. Sorry, it's not I didn't have time to do it. I try and think through it, but it's just that the first one is more like a, an intro to the whole series, and then we get down to the first part of the fruit, which is love. So the first point I want to make is this. When Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, he calls it fruit, not fruits. In other words, it's singular, not plural. We need to know how it fits together as a whole. I don't think this is an accident. Now, often we can, in passing, we say the fruits of the Spirit. Oh, that's fine. I'm not uh, trying to pick you up if you if you know, I don't know if you feel like you can never say that again. And, oh, no, I've got it wrong. I don't mean that. I mean, there's something deep in, in understanding it as a whole, the concept of the fruit as a whole. And I think that that's important. So it's not different fruits that we sort of work on and some we can take and some we can leave. It's the fruit. It's singular. So, for instance, you know, we may think, well, you know, I'm, I'm kind, but I'm not very self-controlled. But that totally misses the point. That totally misses the point. And we can learn here, I think, from the attributes of God. If we think about the attributes of God and how God works, he is completely consistent in his character completely consistent and that's what he wants us to be he's consistent in the way that he works so we know that he has different attributes theologians have uh, talked about them for years the communicable or the non-communicable communicable well, attributes of god 
And we think of some of them, we think of his love, we think of his justice, we think of his wrath, we think of his kindness, we think of his mercy, for example, these different things that, that we know come from God, from who he is as a person. And none of them contradict each other, but they all work together in a perfect harmony because God is good. God is holy. And so as, it, as, as these attributes work and he works um, through them, we see that they, they're in line with each other. They complement each other, if you like. So we see, for example, that his kindness is just or his wrath is merciful. Now we see that, don't we, supremely at the cross. That's where we see it. That's where we see these attributes really uh, very clearly in, in the way that God deals with sin in a completely just way, but it's to offer us mercy. He takes the punishment upon himself so that we can stand under his mercy. And that's what he's wanting to do in us with this fruit. He's wanting us to be consistent in our kindness, in our joy, in our love. So he wants our kindness to be joyful. He wants our faithfulness to be gentle. He wants our self-control to be patient. You get the idea. It's not just that we take one and work on that. It's how they're interlinked with each other because they're all really one fruit. Let me try and illustrate in a negative way. Um, just before I started today, Katrina says to me, you need to try and smile more. So there you go. Uh, I've got one in at least. And the reason she said that is because she's been looking at it sometimes and thinking, oh, he needs to smile a little bit more. And she lives with me as well. And she knows that I have a tendency at times to be grumpy. I don't know what the face is for grumpy. I mean, it's natural <laughs> when I am grumpy. Believe me. I have a tendency to be grumpy at, at times and I, it may be hard to believe um, from those of you that know me uh, it may be absolutely obvious from most of you that know me but what does grumpiness do when we put it alongside the fruit of the spirit the thing that god is wanting to do in my life what does it do well it doesn't just affect one part does it like the joy it does affect that but actually when you think about it it affects every part if I am grumpy, I'm not loving. So I may say something like, is somebody going to do those dishes? I've done them for I don't know how many times in a row. That's not loving, is it? That's not the way you really encourage people and help them to come on. I'm certainly not joyful because those two things don't go together, do they? Joy and grumpiness that, you know, they're like magnets, you get the wrong ends of magnets. You, you can't, they're not the same thing. So I'm not joyful. I'm not kind, you know, when I'm grumpy. I'm like, will somebody just get those dishes done? That's not very kind. It's not, it's not gentle, is it? You can see, can't you? The, the, the different, it's not patient. It's, the whole of the fruit is affected. And I need God's help. And I need to recognise when I'm feeling grumpy and I'm going to have a tendency to sort of lash out a little bit I don't mean physically particularly I just mean you know in that sense of that's not what God is wanting to do in me and it's you know it's not a quick fix thing I can't say right that's it I'm going to pick up my Bible I'm going to read a passage and then I'll be all right it, it takes time doesn't it to, to calm down to think through 
Why am I grumpy? I mean, certainly I do want to be going to the Word of God. I want to be picking it up and I want to be engaging with it because I want to be engaging with him. And so I want the Spirit to come and help me, even though I don't deserve it. And I know I don't deserve it at that moment. I'm not going to let that non-deserving of it rob me of getting out of that grumpiness. So I need to come before God and I need to pray and I need to ask him to show me why am I feeling like this? And it may be that I've got something big on or something I don't want to do or, or something else has happened or I'm, I'm worried about something or whatever it is. And it, you know, it, th there's one way of, of reacting, which is in the grumpiness. There's another way of reacting, which is asking God to grow his, his fruit within me by his spirit, coming before him and saying, Lord, I'm, I'm messing it up. I'm getting it wrong. Again, help me, please. Why am I like this? Because I don't want to be. Now, that's not true. I mean, deep down, sometimes that's what I do want to be. I want to be grumpy and I want people to know it. But when I think about it and when I think about what God's priorities are for my life, I don't want to be. And so I bring it before him. Now that's just a, well it's supposed to be a quick illustration, it's gone on a bit longer. But the point is how it affects the fruit of what God's trying to do in me. It's not just one area, is it? It's, it's all of it that God is trying to grow. Now we're going to look at it separately, we're going to look at the different parts of the fruit because Paul gives us nine and so uh, they're there. This isn't the only passage they come up, we've been doing a Bible study in Colossians, they've been coming up in Colossians chapter 3 if you want to read through that at some point and just see, they're not all there uh, in the same order. But again there Paul talks about being clothed with uh, these characteristics, being clothed with Christ. So we're going to look at them and we're going to think about them separately and today we're looking at love. I love you. I love you. Now, you know, if you're watching on YouTube, you've never seen me before and I don't know you, then you don't have to believe that because I don't know who you are, but we've never met. But, it, it, you know, it, the congregation, Stapleford Baptist Church, looking, you know, I just thought it was important to say this right at the beginning of this. I love you. I love you. And, and I hope you love me. It's important that we hear those words, isn't it? Sometimes we shy away from them. We don't engage with them. We don't think about them. But it's important that we think about love, what it is, what it means. And so there's two things that come up in, um, in our reading today. We looked at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is uh, probably the most famous passage on love in the Bible. I'm sure you've heard it read at weddings. I hope so. It's a great one to read at weddings when man and wife are starting out on their life together to put this in as a realization of what it's going to be like and how you're going to have to work on it it's very important so i hope so but it's not just for weddings it's for for us it's for christians it's for people who know it was for the corinthians those people who needed it and it's for us who need it as well so two things looking at, looking at verses one to three and the need for love and then verses four to eight and the nature of love so first of all verses one to three the need for love Now here's the thing, we can so easily do things, can't we, for praise or attention. We can so easily do things for praise or attention, or for satisfaction, or for worth, or to show off, because we know we're good at it, or whatever, or we think we are. That can be the motive behind a lot of things that we do. And this is what the Corinthians were doing. This whole letter... He's actually trying to get them to see that they have these worldly attitudes that are not right in the church. That's what Paul's doing. 
when it comes to church, it's got to be different from the world. Now, the world is, 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 and the church have separated like that over the last, well, I mean, they've always been separate, but it feels in this country they've separated over time and they're getting further and further away from each other in their values, in what they think is important, in, in what is foundational um, for their lives. Now, the church will always be different to the world. And when the world is saying it's all about you, put yourself first. It's, you know, you make sure you get satisfaction. You make sure that you're the top dog. You make sure that you get out in front of everybody else. The church is always saying, and God is always saying, that's not what you do in the church. That's not how it works. Now, as I said, that's become more and more um, a wider gap, if you like, over, over the years. But it's always been there. It's always been there. Naturally, we have these tendencies, but when we become Christians, when we're given spiritual life, that we have to battle against these things and we have to change. And that's what Paul's helping the Corinthians to understand. He's wanting them to come together. They're not really thinking about each other. They're just thinking about themselves. You read through the letter and this comes out very clearly. They've got, in the early chapters, he says some follow Paul, some follow Apollos, some follow Christ. It's this idea, it's division, it's not togetherness. It's, you know, I'm better than you because this is the man that I follow, and I'm better than you because this is the man that I follow. And Paul's saying it, it's a nonsense. You, you're divided. By the time they get to chapter 11, and, and he's talking to him about communion, he says, I haven't got any good words for you. Doesn't he? Because some are eating and some are finished before other people get there. You're not thinking about each other, you're just thinking about yourselves. That's a worldly attitude that has come into the church and in chapter 12 he, he, he takes time to explain about how the body is the body of christ like a human body with different parts with different functions but they all need to work together they do different things and that's great and we get given different gifts and that's fantastic but we need to work together because we're in christ who is the head and then we get to chapter 13. It's really interesting, isn't it? At the end, I don't know if you saw this, we didn't read it, but at the end of chapter 12, it says, Paul says, Now I will show you the most excellent way. Now I will show you the most excellent way. Love. That's what he wants to talk about. The need for love. Now, have you ever known anybody make a point like Paul's in these first three verses? This is, it's beautiful, isn't it? It's it's challenging, it's straight to the point, it's unique, it's, it's wonderful. Let me read the first verse to you and just put a little um, explanation in the middle. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, now just imagine that for a minute, we've got this heavenly language, we've got this ability to communicate in a way that sounds deep and true and in tune if we speak in this way if we can communicate in this way it's like a, a a finely tuned orchestra all playing to perfection you can imagine what it should sound like some incredible music that's been inspired powerful deep meaningful but then he says but if i do not have love what does it really sound like I am a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Wow. It's nothing. It's supposed to be heavenly. It's supposed to be sublime, but it's ridiculous. It's supposed to all be together, but it's just a racket. See what he's trying to say? 
And what a way of making a point. That love needs to be there. Love is the secret ingredient, if you like. If it's just about the show, it will be shown up for what it is. He moves on, doesn't he? You know, if it's prophecy, if it's fathoming, fathoming mysteries, if it's great faith to be able to move mountains, if it's giving all we possess, I mean, he's really giving it, isn't he? Really going for it. These things that are that are important that we would think of, of, of noble things, of great things. If it's only really about us, we gain nothing. Nothing. Without love, there's nothing. We need love. He's driving his point home to the Corinthians, who just haven't realised that love is the most important thing. When Jesus was asked, you know, what are the greatest commandments? You remember what he said? Uh, we see this in the three synoptics. I've picked Mark chapter 12, verse 30. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbour as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. We all need love. The need for love. It has to be there. It's non-negotiable. Jesus had it. Jesus showed it. Jesus spoke about it. The Christian life without love is a contradiction in terms. The two go together because they're about God. And what does it say? What does John tell us in, in his first epistle, chapter 4, verse 16? God is love. God is love. And the Christian is someone who knows him and trusts him and loves him and by extension loves others. So what is it? This crazy little thing called love, this slippery thing called how do we define it? How do we get hold of it? I mean, what what is it? That's what we can feel at times, can't we? You know, certainly the way the world um, thinks of it is probably different to what we would want to say. What is it? Well, thankfully, we don't have to go too far because Paul tells us in this chapter, in verses four to eight, he looks at the nature of love, the nature of love. And you know what? Just listen. Not to me, but to him. I, I, I can't improve on this. I, obviously, um, not that I've ever improved on, on, on anything that comes out of the Bible. Don't get me, me wrong. But it, it, you know, it's just so straightforward. So true. So challenging. And I think some of the most powerful words ever written anywhere. Just listen. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. And then he really starts to get positive as he pushes it home. It always protects. It always trusts. Always hopes always perseveres love never fails do you get it it is outward for the good of the other person kind not rude 
not self-seeking, it's pure. It doesn't delight in evil, it rejoices with the truth. It always protects, trusts, hope, perseveres and never fails. If you love, you invest in someone else. You want the best for them. You sacrifice for them. God is love. You know, that phrase can only be possible if God is Trinity. John doesn't say God became love. It's not that there was a time when God wasn't love. Because of who God is, the Father, the Son, the Spirit. Those three persons of the Trinity are able to show this love. They love each other. You, you think of the way that Jesus talks about the Father who is on earth. I've come to do the will of my Father. He wants to please him. He wants to show him how much he loves him. You think of how the Father talks about the Son. This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased because he's been faithful in the job that the Father has given him to do. We see that love of the Trinity, of the triune God. If God is just one without being three, then there is no one to love until he creates and therefore he needs his creation so he can give his love. He doesn't. His love is an overflow of who he is. It's not that he needs to create something because he wants to give. He wants to share who he is. The love for the Father, for the Son, for the Spirit with those he creates. So when this Corinthian church shows all its divisions, its infighting, following different people, claiming they're better than each other, using their gifts to show off rather than build up the church, trading this one-upmanship, taking each other to court. That comes out in 1 Corinthians. And Paul says, no, wouldn't you rather be wronged? Well, no, they wouldn't because they haven't got it. They haven't understood it. You know, Paul's heart breaks because they've missed the most fundamental part of who God is and how he reveals himself to us. And what he wants to do in us. He wants us to know that we're loved. Do you? Do you know? Do you know that God loves you? It's seen supremely at the cross. You can't get to God without the cross. And that's where his love is put on display for all to see. It's through that self-sacrifice of the cross that we see this biggest display of love. Romans 5 eight. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He wants you to know that you are loved and you can respond to that love through accepting his son, the Lord Jesus, who died for you upon the cross. And then he wants you to love him and he wants you to love others. He wants to grow that love in you so that you will become more like his son, the Lord Jesus, the best person that's ever lived. If you are serious about it, you will come across people who are unlovely. <laughs> that's the reality. If you're serious about love, you will come across people who are unlovely. People who will rub you up the wrong way. People who at first glance you will think are hard 
to love. In such circumstances, what do we do? We, we hear the theory now, this morning if you like, and then we go out, what do we do? An opportunity arises. What do we do? Well, we've already been told, haven't we? We be patient, kind, not self-seeking or rude. If they hurt you, don't keep a record of wrongs. Seek to protect, trust, hoping, persevere, keep going. Because love never fails. Never fails. And you know, this is applicable to the church as well. This is Paul writing to the church. Do we love each other in church? Do we really love each other in church? Is that a priority for us? Is that something that we want to do? That that love needs to grow within us for each other. You know, the story is told of a woman who wanted to divorce her husband. She was so angry with him. And she wanted to get her own back for, for what she felt were wasted years. And so she sought some advice and she said, hey, you know, I, 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 I want to leave him, but I really want to, I really want to, to feel the hurt, to feel the pain. And this guy says to her, well, you, you know, you, you can do that. There is a way. He said, go home and act as if you really love your husband. Tell him how much he means to you. Praise him for, for every decent trait. Go out of your way to be as kind, considerate and generous as possible. Spare no effort to please him, to enjoy him. Make him believe that you love him. After you've convinced him of your undying love and that you cannot live without him, then drop the bomb. That's when you tell him you're going to get divorced. That will really hurt. Oh, brilliant, she says. Brilliant idea. Fantastic. She's, she goes away. The revenge is there. It's in her eyes and she heads off and she puts into action this plan. She acts as if for two whole months, showing love, kindness, listening, giving, reinforcing everything, putting him first, doing it, doing it, doing it. And after two months... She realises she does love him. She doesn't divorce him. And, well, I don't know if they live happily ever after or not. But the point of the fact is, she grew to love him. She did what she should do. And she realised, actually, that love was there all along. Who are you struggling with? Who are you struggling with? How will you love them? How... Will you let God grow that love within you? How will you work with him, or if you like? I don't know what the best way of putting this phrase is, but you know what I mean? What is it that God's going to do in you and through you during this lockdown time? You know, I think for many of us, we've been, we've been putting things on hold. I think I have, you know, to a certain degree. Yeah, well, we'll get back to normal at some point, and then we can sort of pick it up again. It's a bit of a time for a rest, a bit of a holiday. But it's not, is it? It's not. Not in our Christian lives. God wants to use the circumstances of our lives to change us and to grow us to be more like him. Are we going to love? Are we going to love? Is loving others in the church a priority? Getting alongside them. Is loving God a priority? Giving him time, space to work in our lives. Giving things over to him. Whenever we're struggling, knowing 
that this is his priority for us. He wants to grow this fruit, the first part of which is love. We need it. And we know what it is. Paul tells us. Let's pray together, shall we? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that this particular passage is in your word. The, what is contained in here is just uh, dynamite. It, it, it's powerful. It's so powerful. And it can be powerful in our lives. And we pray that you would help us to be those that are characterised by love. We pray that you would help us to build our character, to be those that you want us to be. We pray that you would work in us by your spirit. We pray that you would have your way, Lord, and we would be seen as people who love. And other people would start to see it, Lord, around us in this community of ours that we may have this impact. Help us to love in lockdown, Lord, we pray. With all the frustrations, all the difficulties, all the struggles, all the trials that we go through, may we recognise that you use them for our good and to grow your fruit within us. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. We're going to sing a final song. I say together. I mean, we're dotted all around, aren't we? But hopefully uh, we'll be together. We've been watching this together this morning. We're going to sing, Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God.